Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Amen. Can we thank her again? That wasn't good enough. Come on, y'all. Appreciate that. I am so grateful for that, and I want to welcome everybody who is streaming the service online. Welcome from wherever you are this morning, and delighted to have everybody in here in the West Cam- out on the West Campus. Uh, before I dive into our content, we're going to dive into it. I, we had something that transpired this morning that, that you might not be aware of, and I was trying to get up here before he got off the stage. So you saw Dave Reinstein back here playing uh, the Telecaster back here, and uh, Dave, today, this is the last time Dave's going to play and lead us. He, he and his family, precious family, are moving. He has been back here as a lead guitar player for over 23 years. Uh, Dave had a super important position at FPL. He's retired now. They're going to be making a transition. Many of you all know his uh, precious uh, wife, Kim, and uh, their daughter, April, have been a part of our fellowship for years, serving, and we're just so fa- uh, been so faithful. And we just love them so much. So I wanted to point that out. You may see him after the service because I don't think he's giving me the guitar. If he's left, I guess it's mine. So I just want to say that. But anyhow, we're glad you guys are here. I want you to grab your app, grab your Bible. We're going to dive in. We've got a lot of content that I want to move us through uh, this morning. I'm super pumped about it. We are in a conversation right now. Uh, an important conversation in our church. We're calling the conversation just simply unity. And we're talking about what it would mean for us all to kind of uh, aspire to the better angels of our nature. So we're inviting a conversation into the room around that topic. We are using as the cover verse, the theme verse for this series, if you will, uh, some important words that Paul the Apostle wrote to the churches in Ephesus. We looked at that last week. If you want to go back and stream that message, you can. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the theme verse for the series. Let's just read this out loud together. Ready? Go. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That is such an important passage of Scripture. Let's just read it one more time, all right? Ready? Go. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So this is the conversation we're in right now. This is sort of what I think about uh, in this conversation. We are navigating this topic as the body of Christ for self-identified followers of Jesus. In a way, this is like a family meeting. So if you're a part of the body of Christ, this is a conversation we want to have. If you're not yet a part of the body of Christ or you're choosing not to be a part of the body of Christ, I'm not sure the words I'm really saying uh, are words for you, but if you are a follower of Jesus, these are words that we need to be thinking about and talking about right now. This is what I think about. Over the last year, this is what we're saying. We have been invited or drawn into conversations that are long overdue, that are important conversations we need to be having. And some of that is really super productive and super helpful in our culture. And I think many of us have been in places over the last year where we've gone, now that's an important conversation we ought to talk about. We have also been sort of uh, sucked into some conversations, I think too, that at the end of the day might not even be the right conversation. It might not be the conversation we actually should be having. It might be an ancillary conversation of the real thing we ought ought to be, you know, talking about. And we've had all of that going on that's going on really large 
judge and in charge in our culture right now. And I can just tell you as a communicator, as a biblical communicator, uh, here's what I think about in this. I think this, um, I don't want to miss my moment to add my voice to the conversation. And I want to be courageous and I want to be careful and I want to be wise, but I want to have a conversation and invite us into it. We are talking about right now, this is what I want you to think about in the series. We are talking about right now how it is that we can be unified in our motives to be salt and light in a culture that is struggling. How many of you can look at our culture and go, we're struggling? Four of us, nine of us, 12 of us. Okay, come on, right? We're struggling right now. And so this is kind of what we're talking about. How can we be the body of Christ, how can we be salt and light, something Jesus spoke about in his first public sermon in a world that is so sharply divided? And, and, and in a way, in an ancillary way, the church is a part of this conversation. And this is what's super challenging. I, I think about this. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I will hear whenever like the media or the culture start to talk about the church, do you just get a little nervous or is it only me? I get a little nervous, right? Because they're going to start talking about, you know, they're start talking about us. They're going to talk about my peeps. And I get a little nervous about that. And so, you know, I, I think of it this way. Everybody in their, I say it this way, everybody in their family tree has a, has, there's a nut in every family tree. Come on, right? And, uh, you know, like some, sometimes when you meet people and, and they go, oh, hey, I, I, you know, I know where you were raised, I know, and they start, and they start connecting dots, and they go, oh, I know about you, I know about your family, um, I know your Uncle Bill, and you go, oh, man, don't judge our family by Uncle Bill, he's a raging lunatic, right? <laughs> Come on, any, uh, any Uncle Bill, sorry, let me just, disclaimer. But every now and again, when the culture goes, you know, it starts talking about the Christian church, it makes me nervous, because sometimes they're talking about the Christian church, and here's what I think we'd all want to say. That's not us. Someone say amen to that, right? And then, every, and then every now and again, they're talking about the Christian church. And if I were to be really honest, here's what I would say. We earned that. We've earned that. That's exactly us. That's, that's what it looks like. That's a conversation we ought to have. And so there's a lot of stuff right now that I think is a part of this that makes this super important right now uh, that we're talking about. And I think of it this way. We've been breaking the series down. So if you've been following along with us, the first thing we did is we talked about really the why of this conversation, which is simply this. Why should we talk about unity? Why is unity important? Does it matter? Does it really, should we really care? Is it really an important conversation? What is going on with that when we start thinking about unity? And then when we looked at that, why it's important, come to find out, that was Jesus' last prayer. He's in the upper room, and what's he praying for? He's praying that we as a church, that we as the body of Christ, we would be unified. And right there, we wanted to stop and say, you know what? That's what's cool about that is that, that uh, when I look at that, what's cool about that is it just reminds me that Jesus knows what it feels like not to have all of his prayers answered. So I have some prayers that I'm still wanting to be, have answered and Jesus knows how I feel because that's a prayer that he was praying. In fact, we've said this. I don't even think it was a prayer the disciples thought he was, would pray. One of those weird, we've all been in prayer, right? It's weird, these weird moments, you know, like somebody's praying and they go, what are they praying about? You're looking and this is one of those things. I think the disciples were going, unity? All this other stuff, Lord's going on and you want to pray for unity? And so we looked at that and we said, it's got to be important because it was important to Jesus. So we, we looked at the why, and then if you were la la with us last week, uh, we looked at the subject of what. 
And last week, what we did is we dipped our toe in the water with a beginning place of what unity would look like, what, it, what the flavor of it would be if, if, we, if we went at it. And so if you're with us last week, we toyed around with some, you know, light conversation, some un, non-controversial topics <laughs> that we just kind of welcomed into the room and said, you know, let's just sort of dip our toe in the water and just cover these these, you know, these little topics. And, and we talked about uh, what Paul was offering to us, and we paid particular attention to Paul's challenge, much like what Jesus asked, that we would be one. And here's what Paul said. This is what you looked at. He said, he said, be humble. And in fact, if you're with us, we, we, we made mention of the fact he didn't just say, be humble. He said this. He said, be completely humble. So every time you're given an opportunity to choose humility, choose it every single time. And so Paul is using this superlative language. This is kind of a challenge. I mean, I, I think some of us, you know, humility's challenge anyway, but choose humility every single time, Paul? Yes. And then he, then he went on and, and, and he went on further and he said, um, we should make an effort to preserve unity. Only he didn't say make an effort. He said, make every effort to protect unity and to maintain unity. And so when I, in my own notes, in my own journal, I think of it this way. This is what I wrote down. Every time I am, Dale, faced with an opportunity to choose, choose unity every single time. Now, I got to tell you, if we just, if we just did that, and we're looking hard at what this means right now, if we just did that, it would change the landscape of our culture in many ways. And, and, and at best, I think if, if the media was honest, they would portray the church different. And some of that stuff, when we hear them talking about the church and we go, oh, we've earned that, that wouldn't be as loud in the room because it would shift the conversation a little bit. And then Paul, at the end of the day, he says this, he, he labels under all these things, he says, you know, as a prisoner of the Lord. And we looked at, you know, well, Paul's always in prison. That's what he's talking about. But here's what we said. It wasn't just that. And three times in in the letters that he wrote, this one that we looked at last week in particular, he uses the word bond servant or bond slave. Think of it this way in our culture. What is it like to be bonded out and then choose to remain in? Bonded for freedom, but we choose to live under the rule of a different thing. And so Paul was just basically going, hey, from one prisoner to another. This is how we should live. So if you've been taking notes, you've been following us, we talked a little bit about why, we've talked a little bit about what, and this morning I want us to talk about how we do it. And I want to elevate the conversation now, we want to get very practical in this conversation, and I think if we do this right, again, this is going to be very powerful. And 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 I got to tell you the dual nature of what I think about a lot of times when I'm communicating on a weekend, I, I think, first of all, here's what I would acknowledge, right? I'm, I'm wanting to elevate our attention to a larger conversation that I think is happening right now in our culture. I want to lift that up. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you're watching uh, online, you're streaming online, or if you're here in this room, here's what I know. Every one of us came into this room with a place right now where we are struggling with a subject of unity, 
We have, we have a person, we have a thing, we have a situation, we have a context, we have an issue, and we're all struggling. And here's what I want to tell you. The words that I want us to talk about, the words that I want us to look at today, not only do they have uh, importance for you know, this elevated conversation, but they have importance for you and your life. And if we follow what Paul is saying here, I think there's something that we can learn, something we can understand uh, around this. And so, you know, because when we're talking about, when, when Paul's talking about unity, he's not talking about a fake community. Let's just all manifest and pretend like we're getting along. Woohoo! Come on, y'all, wake up. We've done that before, right? We've all been a part of that community. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about unanimity, that we all think the same way. He's not even talking about uniformity, that we all look uh, the same way. He's asking for something so much more profound, something only possible if God helps us. We can't manufacture it on our own. Here's what I love to talk about whenever I think about these truths. Christianity, I'm reminding everybody, it's not difficult, it's impossible. Yay us. I mean, he is pointing to something that is so elevated, so challenging. We can't do it on our own. There's got to be another strength, another power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this room right now. Praise God for that. This is the importance of this conversation that we need to be having uh, right now. Um, Rebecca started us with the words that I want us to look at. And they are the words of the message translation. Every now and again, you guys will ask me and you'll say, you know, hey, I'm just curious, I'm getting a Bible. What, what Bible do you guys preach out of when you preach? We preach out of the NIV version, the 2011 version of the, of the NIV translation. And uh, what Rebecca uh, just shared with us, and I asked this week, I said, would you just do kind of a recitation, if you will, of the words of Scripture that we're going to look at today, but do it in the message translation. I want to show you a picture of that. This is the message translation, and the guy who translated it, a wonderful man by the name of Eugene Peterson, who's in heaven now. And uh, this is a great translation. Every now and again, what I do in my own personal devotional habit and practice, I will read through the Bible in a year. And I'll read through a different version, and I'll use different versions, so I just keep kind of getting it all over me. I want to rub it all over me. And every now and again, what I'll do is I'll, I'll use the message translation, and I'll read it because there's some nuance in that that I think is really good. And what you heard Rebecca say just a moment ago, super powerful, super challenging for us to live into. And so what I want to do is I want to take us now, and I want to read it, what Rebecca just shared with us. And I want to read it in the NIV version. And this is Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12. Here's how Paul writes it. He says, therefore then, therefore, he writes, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So wear those as clothes. Bear with each other. And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like, don't forget that. And over all these virtues, he writes, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Let's pray together. Lord, um, you come. And uh, Lord, you make these words life and breath to us. Because we would admit, Lord, we have some stuff going on in our own individual lives. We have some stuff that we see swirling around us in our culture. And God, it is easy to be discouraged. It's easy to feel defeated. It's easy, oh God, to feel like it doesn't matter. Would you, would you remind us here that it matters, that it's important, and that when we lean into these kinds of things, oh God, you can do in your space and in your time what only you can do. And so we look to you in that regard. And we thank you in advance in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. These are great words. These are powerful words. I think these are some of the most powerful words that Paul wrote because they're super profound. They're super elevated. And here's the thing. They're super practical. When uh, Beth and I got married, I, I want to share, uh, maybe I've shared this before, these verses, these very words, uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, she put the reference of that in, 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 on the inside of my ring. So it's in there. It's almost like Beth and all of her wisdom. She knew that there would be moments when I would lose my way and that I would need to be reminded of what's most important. And so these, these words are just a, a part of my deal. Now, I want to say because uh, I mentioned my marriage and because I mentioned my you know, wedding ring and all of that and because I'm talking about uh, what we wear and I've labeled the, the, the message dress code. I want you to know, remember a while back I was telling you that I wore some really crazy pants to my dress rehearsal for my wedding? I have found the picture. <laughs> Would you like to see the picture? Here are the pants I wore at my, my dress rehearsal. <laughs> now if you look at the guys over on the right, they're pretending that they're looking at the program. They are looking at my pants. Going, what on earth is happening to this guy? And uh, you'll notice my father-in-law, soon to be father-in-law, he won't even look at me in this picture. And then after the rehearsal was over, I want you to notice my friends, my, my compatriots, my buddies, they kidnapped me and they took me off. Here's a picture. And they took me off and we're out in Texas. I'm a Florida boy. They threw me in a cattle feedlot which is filled with cattle poo-poo. That's what they did. And uh, so there's the picture and there's the pants. So that was me doing my best Miami Vice version of myself back there, which would make me, I guess, in Miami Vice world, it would make me Sonny Crockett. So there I am. That's horrifying, isn't it? I just want to say, if that makes me Sonny Crockett, that makes Trevor Tubbs. I wonder, there he is right there. Trevor, that afro is not working for you, brother. I just want to say. So uh, here we are uh, in this conversation. And uh, I want to say, these are, these are the topics that 
I think have a lot of relevance for all the stuff that we're talking about. But And we could look through them, and I think probably for all of us in the room or all of us online, we would go, There's maybe there's one, maybe there's two that are, these are the super elevated conversations. Maybe it's about, you know, our sexual identity. Maybe, you know, this whole thing about COVID has been hot. Maybe race is so hot right now. Can I tell you, Ken, because it's my message, can I pick the one that I think is most challenging for us as followers of Christ? I want to show it to you. I mean, here, maybe it's this one up here, you know, here's, here's our own stuff. I actually think it's this one. I think it has to do with our freedom. And, and I think um, where we wrestle sometimes as followers of Jesus is this idea of our personal rights. And I want you to know that over the last year, I, I've been in so many conversations, I can't even keep up with the conversations I've been in. And this is always one we talk about. And I've begun to understand, I think, why this is such a hard one for us. I think it's hard because if I were to say, I think there's something wired within us as Americans even, where we want to under, where we feel the need to defend our freedoms and defend our rights. My, my dad was a Navy man. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. My, my father-in-law was a Marine. And so I get it. I mean, I feel like we, we, we come into that and we, we have all of this. And then we, we see this loud vocal minority on social media. And that's what I said. This vocal minority in social media pushing us to the edges of some of these really difficult conversations, acting as though they're our new moral center. And I want to say newsflash to everybody, they're not our moral center. They're not. In my own journal, in my own writing, I I wrote this down. And a lot of times, remember, when I preach, I'm preaching to myself. And so I write things down for me. And sometimes when I feel like it's appropriate, I let you in on the conversation I have, I'm having with God. And here's a conversation that I had recently. I wrote this down. Let me be clear. Dale, your judge is not the media. It's not your political party. It's not your followers on social media. I don't have any. It's not your outspoken, unwise friend in the echo chamber you think is your ally in the court of public opinion. Your judge and your jury is Jesus Christ. And he is going to have the last word. This is what we have to remember. I was reading recently, New York Times journalist Jane Coaston said this. She said, we've been mad about things forever because being mad is an irreplaceable resource. Wow. We'll never stop being mad. But she said, I think it's time to stop being mad on the internet and instead identify who else is mad and if they really have the power to change things for the better. And if not, we should ignore them. Holy camoly, right? And so this is really an important conversation I think that we ought to have. I said last week that our country's forefathers presupposed, listen to this, a creator bestowing us with certain unalienable rights. And that is a good thing. It reminds me here that in all of the content that I'm framing out in this series right now, I don't want people to misunderstand about the important place for challenging ideological conflict about what's going on in our society. I'm the one who said right last week, we have been 
uh, needing to have some conversations that are long overdue. And we've been sucked into conversations that I'm not sure are even the right conversations we should be having. And in all of that backdrop and all of that thing, I don't want to be misunderstood that there's not a place for us to have it. Here's what I want to say, though. I just don't think it's the internet. I just don't think it's in a, I think it might be in conversations and letters to elected officials. I think it's in the voting box. I think it's in the civil square at appropriate meetings. I don't think it's on the internet where the temptation is obviously overwhelmingly present to go off the rails and start looking exactly like those who do not yet know Christ. I get freedom. I get rights. But here's what I want to say to the followers of Jesus in this room. It's also about responsibility. It is about our responsibilities. I said it last week, our forefathers said this, if we all exercise our freedom at will as a society, are we totally free if we do that? And I am one who says, no, we descend into chaos. You study other societies, where did they live? Where did they fall? They fell when everybody exercised all their own freedoms to whatever they're choosing. This is super important. It's super important, and and, and against the backdrop of this is the conversation. How do you and I as followers of Jesus, how do we become salt and light in such a challenging culture? Paul gives us, I think, the way we can do it. He gives us three things, and I want to point them out. First of all, he talks about, if you're taking notes, what we wear. Notice what he says in verse 12. I'm super moved by this. He says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's saying choose to wear these things. Here's the nature of the Christian experience is really this. God chooses us, watch this, and we choose back. That's it. God chooses us, and we choose back. And he said the way way that we begin, the first step in, has to be what you and I wear as followers of Jesus, when I was growing up, my, my dad used to like to watch westerns. Anybody watch westerns? If you ever ever watch these old westerns, and whenever two guys were going to duke it out, what would they do? They would go out into the public square, and they would take their, their jacket off, and now they're ready to fight. Do you see the imagery? Paul says, don't ever take that off. Leave it on. I had a friend that when he would get, you know, when he sensed you were uptight, this is the phrase he would say, keep your shirt on, man. Hear what Paul's saying here? Don't ever take, don't take it off. Live, live into this space. Live into this space. Sometimes I hear Christian leaders define, uh, defining the faith in terms of what we set aside. This is a part of the conversation. But we also need to have a conversation regarding what we put on, what we display, what we keep on. Paul said, this is how it starts. Do we wear these things? Are they a part of our deal? And then he goes a step further. It's not just what we wear related to these things. Paul seems to suggest that if we wear those things long enough, I'll put it in a vernacular, they become our style. 
Notice what he says in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance with someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In a way, what I want you to understand, I don't want you to miss this. Paul is talking in a way, he's talking about the manifestation of our character. He's talking about these external things we wear. Watch this. This is stuff we put on. We put it on long enough. We start to be, they start to become us. You ever said that? You ever look, you ever have somebody say, man, that haircut, that becomes you. That color, that, that's the right color for you. You begin to be identified with these kinds of things. It's, it's the manifestation of our character. I say this all the time. Christianity is not just what we believe. We could say we believe stuff all day long. Here's what Christianity is at a base level, right? It's beginning to put in practice what you say you believe. That's a whole different conversation. And so Paul is talking really about how our character begins to be formed. He uses the words bear with each other, which is another way of saying this. Hey, contend. Don't quit. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. Don't let it descend into chaos. Don't be mean-spirited and unkind. Don't act like everyone else who doesn't know Christ. Stay in the game. Love each other. Contend. Don't stop. Never quit. Do you see what he's saying there? Letting it become us, it becomes a manifestation of our character. One, one author I read from said it this way. We are all, every day, every moment, in the process of solidifying our identities by the decisions we make. Listen to this. With each decision we make, we actually pick up momentum in the direction of that decision. And then this author I know, he shares this story about a woman who experienced a, a difficult betrayal in her life, and she was filled with bitterness as a result of it, and, and, and she just never let go of the bitterness until her life became the personification of bitterness. You ever met anybody like that? I have. And so Paul is saying that this is a really important thing. This author goes on, he says, listen, the more we choose something, listen, the harder it is to choose otherwise until we are finally solidified, eternalized by our decision. The momentum of our character becomes unstoppable. We create our character with our decisions and in turn, our character creates us. And it exercises more and more influence on all of the decisions we make. How many times have any of us in the last year looked at something going on in the world around us and said, when will this ever what? Stop. Here's what I want to tell you. I don't think it will until enough of the body of Christ begin to show a different way. And we do that consistent enough. We do that long enough. And some of these important conversations we really need to have get framed in a whole different way. 
Some of the conversations you walked in with this morning that have nothing to do with the national landscape, but more their, your own personal stuff, it changes. We've all looked at personal things in our lives and said, can that be any different? We've all felt hopeless. This is, this is hopeless. One of the wonderful vantage points I have as a pastor is I, I get to meet people at the crucible of hopelessness and watch the power of Jesus Christ bring deep, lasting healing and change. It's super good to watch that. When does it happen? When we get enough of ourselves, enough of our own power, and we want to change the landscape of the conversation. Now, and here's the thing. Paul says, how does it start? It just starts by simple things. You get up every day and go, I'm going to put this on. I'm going to, I'm going to wear this. And you begin to wear it long enough. It begins to be your style. And that's a, that's a challenging thing. So it's not only what we wear. It's not only who we become. Here's the thing I want to leave you with. It is how you will be remembered. This conversation is important because somebody someday is going to write a postscript about your life. They're, they're going to give your life in a few phrases a byline. And you don't get to choose it because you're dead. Okay? You get to choose it now. I've shared this before. It's deeply personal to me. My mom and dad came from very different walks of life and very different economics, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, my dad was a New Englander. Uh, and you go back in his family tree, you see lots of money back there. You see a lot of dysfunction. And my dad joined the Navy to get away from the dysfunction in his family. And uh, my mom was a uh, only child of a broken home. And her mother had no money, like no money. And they lived on the second floor of a bar called the Blue Tavern in Stark, Florida. My mom was a civilian secretary at Green Cove Naval Station. My dad is a Navy man. They met, fell in love. And uh, my dad's mom, my grandmother on my dad's side, was a raging alcoholic who disenfranchised everybody in her family line. Every, everybody, all of her kids, nobody had anything to do with her. And then toward the end of her life, she got sick and she had no one. And my dad, who is a growing Christ follower, I watched this beautiful transformation. I came, sat us down in a family meeting and said, I'm going to invite my mother into our home. She has, she has no place else to go. And I, I watched him invite his mother in. We didn't even have a relationship with this woman. We we're kind of like, who like is this? Because it just had not gone well. It was super fragmented, super broken. And he invites her into our home, establishes the rules that we we're already living in in our home. And here's the interesting thing. She lived with us about two years before she died. She became a follower of Christ. Radical transformation. And I was asking my dad one time about it. I said, Dad, that had to be super hard to do that. And he said, you know, it really was super hard in a way. And I can remember him calling his siblings and saying, Mom's dying. You better, if you want to make peace, this is your moment. And here's what I want you to know. None of them did. He was the only one. 
And I was talking to him about that, and I said, you know, that's got to be super hard. He said, it, it, it was super hard in a way. But he said, you know, at the end of the day, Dale, we all have to choose. Do you want to be right, or do you want to be loving? And that was, that was such a moment for me as a young man to learn what it is to be a peacemaker. Now, here's what God has bestowed on all of his children. We're peacemakers. We're peacemakers. And, and we feel strongly about all these things. I know there's a conversation that we need to have in all of that. Part of what I want to tee up are some of these conversations, right? But I, but I have to tell you this. At the end of the day, you get to choose your postscript. It is how you're going to be remembered. And, and I don't know. I can just tell you about me. I don't want to be remembered as the guy that thought he was right all the time. But I do want to be remembered as a guy who said, you know what? I mean, he had his stuff. Pastor Dale had his stuff. But he was loving. He was manifesting what Paul said, the fragrance of the aroma of Christ everywhere he goes. That's my goal. I pray it's yours. Can I pray for you? Lord, I want to take this moment and pray for all my friends, uh, those who are streaming the service online, those who are here in this room with me right now. And God, these are super complex, uh, complex conversations. These are super important conversations. And yet at the end of the day, oh God, you have invited us to be the kinds of people where Paul wrote in another way, right? To spread abroad the fragrance of the knowledge of the Son of God in every place. Would, would you help us do that? Because you've done that for us. And we're grateful. And we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, I was thinking about this. Before I let you go, I got to share this one idea with you. I was praying for you and praying for this message this week and I thought about this verse. I think we can show it. It's a verse that's in Isaiah. And uh, if, if we can get it up there, there it is. Um, this is. This is, you know, could there be any bigger position of disunity, watch me now, than a perfect God and an imperfect humanity? Can there be any wider chasm between those two things? And when, when Isaiah was, uh, God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah, this is how Isaiah, uh, God uh, framed it through Isaiah. He said, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they'll be like wool. A lot of translations take that, come let us settle the matter, and they say this, come let us reason together. Is that not a cue that God would say in the biggest chasm of all, your brokenness, your sin, his perfection. He says, come, let's, let's sit together and figure this thing out. I just want to say, man, if you've, if you've never said yes to Christ, I mean, I want to preach to these topics, but at the heart, it's about the gospel. This is what Jesus offers to you, forgiveness, close the chasm. And if you do that there, he can help you do it the rest of the way. Would you, would you stand with me? Lord, I, I want to pray for my friends now as we go that God, you would, 
you would, anybody listening who's never said yes to Christ, would they move towards you in this direction? Would they open their heart and say, Lord, because you've invited me into relationship with you, I want to be in relationship with you. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you give me the power to live my life as an answer to your grace in my life? And then God, would you help me do it with those around me? This I pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Will you go in his grace and in his peace? We'll see you next weekend.